Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're told to write down a quote from any book you've read, it's too good not to maliciously comply with, right? We'll get into that in a bit, but first, management was not ready for my compliance. About 20 years ago, I worked in a call center at a budding payment processing company. The main performance metric was the time service factor, which required answering 80% of calls within 20 seconds. Due to a constant queue of calls, achieving this goal was impossible. Customers were unhappy, management was unhappy, the stage was set. Enter tech support. I was hired fresh out of high school to be the call center's sole tech support and handle customer-facing application migrations. In retrospect, they basically brought me on as a project manager and systems consultant, but I didn't know any better. Unfortunately, our telephony system did not direct callers based on specialization or skill sets, so when customers called in specifically for tech support, there was a 1 in 15 chance of getting the lone tech support agent. Instead of investing in more tech support staff and overhauling the phone VRU menu, management decided the best system was to have representatives physically line up at my desk. It was frustrating and extremely overwhelming to balance my migration projects and the queue of callers that were waiting for me, so I adapted by remaining in not ready as much as possible. Not ready means your line will only ring for direct calls, but only my team had my direct line. Things were smoother in terms of handling tech calls, people were lining up less, but management was not happy that the TSF goal was not being met. Then one day, my lead pulled me aside and confronted me with my telephony stats. My not ready times were 10 times everyone else's, to which I reminded them that I'm the only technician, and if 14 other people were lined up at my cubicle, then they're clogging the lines with people on hold waiting for me. Management did not care. I had a special skill, but I was not special enough to be exempt from the metric. No more not ready. Cue malicious compliance. I pretended my not ready button no longer existed and went about being a rank and file call center rep. The moment I was done with one call, I had to pick up the next. This meant during migration waves and outages, there were moments where my entire team was lined up at my desk waiting to transfer their callers to me. After about 10 to 15 minutes of just seething by my cubicle's window, some began to confront me. I explained that I was forbidden from using not ready to keep my line open. The call queue would have to die down completely until my line was open to accept a transfer call. You could cut the tension with a knife. TSF continued to tank, then call abandon rates skyrocketed. Customers were unhappy, management was unhappy. So management did the obvious thing and hired more technicians, right? Right? Nope. First, the new protocol was to post a sticky note with the customer's callback number and ticket number on my desk. Tell the customer to expect my callback, hang up, then take the next call. From then on, I was expressed only allowed to conduct the callbacks when there were fewer than 10 callers on hold. Second, they took two of the regular call center boomers and sat them with me to job shadow. Third, they tasked my lead with standing over my shoulder to observe my daily activities. 
What I showed the team lead was that for every 2-3 to three tickets I closed out, 10 more callback tickets would roll in. What he actually ended up doing was reprimanding me for having a high Rona rollover not answered count because I'd let some calls roll over if they snuck in while I was doing morning callbacks. Abject dismay. The nightmare finally ended with the mortgage crisis. Management's brilliant business acumen had led the company to insolvency. I jumped ship to complete my college education. Then the company shut down about a year later. You ever just work at a place that is handling things so incompetently that you can tell this is going to be a sinking ship if it's not already? If you find yourself in a situation like OP, it's probably the signal blaring that you need to start looking around for a new job. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is Job Center UK wants me to log all my activity for looking for a job? No problem. Around 2019, I was made redundant. I did some malicious compliance at that job too, and I was on benefits. I would log what jobs I've applied for once a week. Usually it was applied for 10 jobs, worked on my CV, etc. But at the routine meeting at the job center, advisor said, Sigh, I've been told to tell you your activity tracker needs to be more detailed. I know you're already doing this, but it needs to be more detailed, otherwise you're getting sanctioned. Sorry. So I said, okay, how detailed do you want it? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. They replied, as detailed as you can. At this point, I figured out how to do malicious compliance on this and said, okay, I'll make it as detailed as I can. Cue getting home and doing my usual stuff. Every 10 minutes, I was on the portal writing about what I was doing in the previous 10 minutes to look for a job as detailed as I can. A week later, and possibly many, many entries later, my advisor wrote to me on the portal, please, can you stop spamming the portal with updates? So I replied, I was only following what you instructed me to do to give you all as much detail as I can about how I was looking for a job. So I kept doing the entires every 10 minutes. At this point I was basically lying because doing an update every 10 minutes was taking up most of my job search time. 10 entries later the advisor replied with, you just need to do one entry. I said okay. So for the next week, once a day, I was writing a 3000 word essay about what I was doing to look for a job. I know this was stupid, but I was having too much fun annoying the job center. After them receiving seven times the 3,000 word essays, they called me in and said I just need to tell them how many jobs I've applied for and a few words on what else I've done, which was what I was doing beforehand. 
So I went back to how I was already operating, and they never told me to do anything else or extra again. I mean, I completely understand that when you're working at a job center and you're doing something like having these people apply and look around for jobs, you want to make sure that they're actually, you know, putting an effort in because you don't want to be wasting your efforts here. I almost wonder if this is like a data collection thing. They don't want to hear applied for 10 jobs. They want to hear applied for this job doing this work with these credentials, probably to build up some kind of database. Our next story is... Give me a parking ticket for a spot I paid for? I dare you. About 10 years ago, I went to a concert an hour away from me in Indianapolis. I decided to make a day of it, going to several museums and spots around the city, each time paying for parking in a garage for two or so hours and then going to meander around the area. Finally, I go park close to the venue and paid for parking until the time it was free. Total, I probably paid $40 to $50 for parking throughout the day. Enjoyed the concert, but came back to a parking ticket on my car. I think, this is odd, but I'm tired and chalk it up to a mistake. But I decided to take a photo of my parking spot, both sides on other side were taken, and all the signage, and head home for the evening, figuring I would sort it in the morning. The next morning, I review the ticket, the photo of my spot, and my parking receipt. The ticket did not line up to the spot my car was located in, and my receipt shows that I had valid parking at the time of the ticket. So I submit an appeal thinking, this'll be easy, it's obvious that a mistake was made. The appeal was denied. The ticket was for the spot that was not paid for, ergo it stood. I called the office and the lady said they did not make a mistake as my receipt showed that I paid for spot X1, and the ticket was for spot X. I asked about the photo proof that my car was in spot X1, She said, well, you could have moved the car. Note that the parking receipt included my license plate number and everything. Think park mobile-like system. I noted that there were cars and spots on either side of me and that the entire street was full because of the concert. And honestly, I don't think they bothered to look at the photo, even had that not been the case. I had proof that that license plate had a paid parking spot. No matter what, no dice. I'm feeling petty over this $25 parking ticket at this point. So I called Visa and asked if I could retract the amount I paid for the time that I parked since it didn't count. I submitted all the evidence and documentation to Visa. Visa, in what was the greatest thing Visa has ever done in my opinion, they agreed that if my parking receipt and transaction number wasn't proof I had paid for parking, then clearly I had paid for a service I did not receive and they extended my initial request of canceling the one transaction to include all the parking spots I'd paid for through the system that day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Valued at more than the parking ticket. Then, they filed a formal complaint on my behalf with a letter explaining why they were refunding me. It would not have been nearly as satisfying if I had not spent the entire day playing tourist in the city and racking up a large parking bill all day with the same vendor. 
I mean, I get their whole argument of, well, you could have moved your car. But 100%, they should have been able to recognize, OP paid for a parking ticket. They have a picture of them in that spot. They should have compromised on that. OP paid for a ticket. Does that not make it more likely that the person who gave the ticket made a mistake? Honestly, this just sounds like some straight up racketeering. Just trying to pocket some extra cash. Our next story is, any quote from any book we've read? You got it, ma'am. This happened about five years ago, but the memory came back to me as I was driving to work. I, 17-year-old female at the time, was in my senior year of high school. I was an AP kid, meaning that I took nearly all AP classes, college-level courses for high schoolers, during my last two years of high school. I really didn't want to be drowning in homework, though, so I opted to take general English in 11th and 12th grade, despite the many pleas of my teachers. I did take honors English 9th and 10th grade though. I just didn't care enough about the subject to do all that extra work even though I was smart enough to do it. That being said, my 12th grade English teacher really liked me because I was respectful but not a kiss butt and I actually did the work and didn't do the bare minimum. She was cool, albeit a bit quirky, like neon yellow and teal split hair dye on a 52 year old woman, but she had a rule of no swearing, mostly because of the whole if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile, mindset all teens have. I wasn't bothered by it because I didn't swear much, but she made it a big deal. Remember that for later. Now, let's get to the actual malicious compliance. As a final project of sorts for the class, we had to make a memory box of our high school experience, and then we would all present our boxes to the class. We had to write letters to our past selves, have trinkets that represent each year, projects we were proud of, etc., One of the things we needed was a quote from a book we've read in our English classes that remind us of each year. Remember how I said I took honor English in the 10th grade? Well, that's the year that honor students, and only honor students, read my favorite book, Catcher in the Rye. I love the writing style. I know Holden is insufferable. If you don't know the book, the main character has an existential crisis over the corruption of the youth and purity and other stuff. In one scene, he sees... Freak You, written in a school stairwell in a kid's handwriting and he freaks out. Admittedly, I was struggling with my mental health a lot in school, especially in the 11th grade, so I thought a quote where the character has life through a big freak you in your face was an appropriate summary. I checked with my teacher, not once, not twice, but three times to make sure any book we read in our English classes was fine. She was definitely suspicious and knew I was gonna do something. I'm sure she thought I'd do a call out on my peers or something that was a bit of a controversy in its commentary, but I was a goody one shoe, not a fully two shoes kind of person, but I was definitely not breaking rules, so she wasn't worried. The rest of the story should be pretty clear now. When it was my turn to present, I showed off my trinkets and letters and monologue, and then it got to the quotes. I did my 9th and 10th grade quotes, and then I paused. I was worried if I should back out. But then I thought about when the next time I'd be able to boldly say those two words in front of a group of people with undivided attention again. So I took my moment and read my quote. It felt like one of those and everybody clapped moments. The class went crazy. Like the kids that never did a single assignment were on their feet cheering. The track and field kids were laughing and sharing oh my gods with each other. Everyone was definitely paying attention now and there was so much commotion that it took quite a few minutes to calm down. 
Keep in mind, for everyone else, the smart good girl just broke the teacher's biggest rule in a hyper-public way. This was a jaw-dropping moment for 17-year-olds. I quickly finished my last quote and hurried back to my seat. A couple kids dabbed me up on my short walk, but the teacher looked ticked. I don't remember what happened afterwards. I'm pretty sure she said something disapproving and moved on. After class, I knew I had to apologize to the teacher, and she did say she was disappointed, but that she also couldn't do anything about it because I was just doing the assignment. And I did ask several times beforehand. She kind of gave me a smirk when she said it, as she realized how deviously calculated it was while still adhering to the rubric. I didn't get in any trouble and got full points on the assignment. It made me smile remembering this story. Hope you do too. To be fair, if that teacher was smart enough to say, no swearing in this class, I'm not giving an inch of leeway to these 17 year olds, they should have been smart enough to identify that if OP came up multiple times saying, any quote? that they should have started putting some more clarifiers on there like nothing inappropriate or nothing that would break any of the rules of the classroom. Problem is, she probably just assumed there wouldn't be anything bad enough to pull up out of those books. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.